We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Leland Chi, welcome to the show. This is incredible. This, this is, yeah, thank you. This is beyond incredible, man, because for those of you that don't know, Leland and I went to high school together. And actually, we went to junior high together, which is even more back in the day, right? So we are both Gen Xers, grew up on some of the best pop culture on the planet. Specifically, we had a love of Star Wars. And (laughs) what's even cooler than that is that you, my friend, are Keeper of the Holocaust. You are the guy that makes sure that, among others... And make sure that the Star Wars universe is consistent. And it is just such an honor to talk with you. So, man, how the hell did you get that? Well, first of all, let me be clear. Uh, I, you know, I am, I am part of a team. You know, there, 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 there may have been times in the history where I was, you know, what I did was more unique. And, and now, now there's a team of us because hopefully the work that, that we've done has allowed the company and, to see value in what we do. Totally. Um, so what is it that I do? Who, who, who am I? So officially, I'm, I'm a senior creative executive in the franchise and story group at Lucasville. But yeah, Keeper of the Holocron is what anyone who knows me or knows what I do, that's what they would know me by. That. If you see some of the credits of some of the shows and, and films, toward the very, very bottom, you might see Keeper of the Holocron. IMDB even has like a, a thing called, they have a section called Crazy Credits. And uh, yeah, cra- Keeper of the Holocron is, is what IMDB considers a, a crazy credit. Cool. And it's a pretty crazy thing. Yeah. And how, how did that even happen, man? Like, I remember you in high school. You, you used to do the announcements, right? Was that you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I was the communications commissioner at Carmel. Oh, that's right. That's right. Were you the one that got kicked off for a week by saying the hold your own joke, or was that someone else? 
Ooh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that. Oh, was you me. don't remember this? I don't. Oh, okay. I, I I don't think I got kicked off. So I don't think I don't think it was me. <laughs> it was but, the but, best. But it was it was a, it was a cool thing because you're like you go into the principal's office and you're you're at this you know you're at this little booth and you're behind him like you have no idea that people are listening or 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 what you can do. But it was a lot of fun. I I, yeah, I really no, like. The thing is, the, the funny thing is, like, in person, I am not, I'm an introvert, you know, like, I, you know, put me in a, in a group setting or, or one-on-one conversation. That's not about Star Wars. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get me out of my shell, but if I've got the anonymity or a, of a microphone or, or, or being on a stage, there's something about that, that you sort of love those. There's the thrill of, there's the, there's the actual fear that goes on, but you kind of, you kind of live off that fear a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I get it. So, yeah. So, so yeah, Frank, thanks for having me. And thanks, thanks for bringing up my anxiety levels. Is they're great? Hey. I mean, you know, the, the fear is there is, you know, that's what we go in roller coasters. That's why we like to see, you know, yeah. horror movies and things like that is because we, we like to feel things, right? Sometimes we, we want to feel scared. Sometimes we want to feel happy. Sometimes we want to feel sad just to feel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, getting to be a part of a, of a company that, that does a lot of that, that does storytelling, that wants to make you feel things is, is, is I'm very fortunate to be in the position of hand. Yeah. No, I mean, gosh, the, the franchise, the creativity, the just overall success over the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Something well, that's, that's the thing is that we also know, like when we went to high school together in junior high, yeah, there wasn't a film of the classic trilogy. And then it would be 16 years before there would be a new film. So 16 years where, for the most part, the franchise was dormant. I mean, I mean, they had seeds of other things. You'd get a, a Disneyland ride or you'd get some books and comics. But in the zeitgeist of, of popular culture, uh, there wasn't a lot of Star Wars for a l- big portion. It was everywhere up until sixth grade, like. Star Wars was like our lives from six years old to 12 years old. Star Wars was everywhere. You could not avoid it. Right. And then after that, Return of the Jedi movie came out. There wasn't a whole lot. People weren't talking about it. If you were a Star Wars fan at, in, in, in junior or high or high school, you didn't have anyone to talk to. I mean, now it's different. Now there's internet. Now it's easier to find other, other people in the community. But back then, you felt very alone. Yeah, yeah. What 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 was the gap? Why was there such a big gap? Were they just trying to figure George it out? George Lucas. Or... George Lucas. He was working on his own time, and he wanted the technology to get to where he wanted it to be to, to be able to tell these you know huge stories. But yeah, it, that was it was completely up to to his timetable. Interesting, interesting. So he was. Like there was certain stories that he needed to tell and he just felt like the technology wasn't there to truly tell the story he wanted to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, there were, you know, there were non-Star Wars stories that he wanted to tell as well. You know, he, he did a movie called Willow. That was this, this fantasy, fantasy story. He did a movie called Radio Land Murders. He did Howard the Duck. He did, he did lots of, lots of things to sort of like, you know, build upon his interest or 
or just, you know, creatively work with people that he wanted to work with. And so he was doing, doing other things. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, he built ILM to create all these gigantic yeah. effects for Star Wars. And they were going and revolutionizing the entire effects industry, going from that, that making that jump from, you know, practical models and, and stop motion animation to, to computer animation. And, and that group really led the charge. We grew up on the same movies. So you, you can see the stages uh, uh, of, of the development of that technology. We were, you know, we were watching Abyss. And there was the, the Abyss movie and you see this water creature. And, and that was like one of the first times that I sort of realized like, or questioned like, okay, I understand film. I understand stop motion animation. I understand I have some grasp of effects. I have no idea how they did that. Wow. And then they did Terminator 2 with the liquid metal Terminator. And, and again, you're, you're like going, okay, I know how things are done. This is, this is something that I can't explain. And then, and then obviously Jurassic Park was the thing that blew everything out of the water where it was just like, okay, now they can, now they can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about ILM. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's like, cause so, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, sometimes, you know, what, what we want to do, the world's not ready for, or more importantly, the technology is not there. So there would have been no Uber without cell phone, just hold stop, just can't do it. The capability wasn't there. And it's interesting that, that there was, oh, I don't have the capability to tell the stories that I want. So I'm just going to build the stuff that I need to do, <laughs> which is pretty amazing, actually. And there's some folks that do that uh, more, you know, there's some, I can't think of an example right now, but to build the fundamental technology and the fundamental processes to literally I mean, I don't know how much the movie industry has expanded since ILM had the, has these capabilities. I mean, it's just, it seems amazing. Just, it just continues to evolve and be, be this wonderful, almost entirely new genre category and kind of platform to tell these stories. Yeah, and, then, and George was doing that with the original trilogy as well. I mean, that's, that's why he built Lucasville or built ILM was to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So... Yeah, sometimes you got to build build the stuff in order to do the stuff you really want to do. That's super cool. I think back to your original question. I think you said you were asking me how I got to where I am. Yeah, how did you? Yeah, oh yeah, like, distracted. This is what happens when you're an older Gen Xer, right? We hadn't seen each other in a while. It was great. You came to the book signing, which was awesome. But yeah, how did you get doing this stuff? It's so cool. Yeah, so let's let's go back. You know, we we have a shared history. We grew up in 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 Belmont. And I'm going to start off with, with a, my pre-Star Wars life. So in Belmont, down, down Ralston, at the end of Ralston Avenue, was Marine World. Marine World, which is, the, you know, amusement park. They had, they, that was the greatest part. I, there's, no, there's no park like that anymore where it was like you got on a, a raft and the animals were surrounded Surround a lagoon, so you would see yeah, right. the animals without. There wouldn't be any cage in between you. It was just you, you on the boat, and and the animals. Later on, they got water slides, and of course, this was a, a you know a marine park, so they had killer whales, which at the time was a little more acceptable than than, than it, such yeah, things are now. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's amazing how how 
how much changes and how your perspective can change. And sometimes that perspective can change really, really fast. Well, I mean, that, the, the, for me, it was, a, it was a single movie called Blackfish that was like, oh my gosh, this stuff that I loved, there were some issues with it, right? Yeah. Tiger King did, an, did another thing, uh, did a similar thing. And, and, and yeah. the reason why I bring up Tiger King was I loved the, the tigers at, at Marine World. Yeah, yeah, they were great. The advisor, remember the advisor local paper that everyone got on their, 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 their driveways? They had a, they had a coloring, or a coloring contest every year for Marine World. And if, if you won, you could get either, you know, like an annual pass or, or you could get a birthday on the b- birthday boat at Marine World. So I love, I love Marine World. And that was the thing. Like I was just, I was going to be a tiger trainer. Okay. I wanted to be a tiger. I mean, you know, I would do, we do this call, we do this coloring contest. And if you won, you'd get your picture in the advisor newspaper. Right. And it'd be with the tiger. And I've got, I've got a picture of, of me holding the chain at the tiger with all the other winners. There'd be different winners for each age, age group, for the different age groups. And yeah, so I, I wanted to be a tiger trainer. That was it. Right. Or at least work at Marine World. How great would it be to work at Marine World? And it's just down the street. And then 84, 85 rolls along and Oracle decides, oh, we're going to put a big building here. And, and that completely changes the region. And it means that uh, my hopes of being a tiger trader were completely dashed. So... But luckily, yeah, we, we had we had the shared passion of, of Star Wars. Like we said, 83, the last movie of the original trilogy comes out. And where there used to be, you know, toy stores that, with rows and rows of action figures, all of a sudden, you know, there was no Star Wars in sight. And people weren't. So going through high school, I don't remember doing Star Wars things in high school. I don't remember... There certainly weren't any movies to go see. So we, so we just, we didn't talk about it, right? Because there was, there was no news. There was nothing to really talk about, you know? And also we were getting older. And as people get older, they get interested in different things. Most people learn to put away their toys, you know, especially after age 12, you know, I don't know if they're, I don't know what they're doing. They're into sports, whatever. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm still getting action figures and i kind of justify it by doing stop motion movie making because because one of the cool things that george would do when they did those classic trilogy movies is he would do the movies but it wasn't a secret about how they made those movies he they would release these documentaries about how they did these effects and there was one specific shot in one documentary called it was it was based on empire strikes back and it was Empire Strikes Back, the SPF. And there's one shot in there where they're talking about kids that are making their own movies. And they're talking about stop motion animation. And there's one shot that is clear in my mind where they have these kids and they, they, they're, they're doing, they're recreating the Star Destroyer or, you know, the asteroid chase. And they've got little rocks held by string and the ship flying through. And you're, but you're seeing kids do it. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's one thing to see Ben Burt tap on a wire. It's a very cool thing to see Ben Burt tap on a c- cable to make the blaster sound or to uh, watch Phil Tippett, you know, animate 
do the hand and stop motion animation on the tauntaun. But to have a to to see a, someone our age doing that and sort of like giving us basically sort of like permission or something like I I can do that too, right? Because I'm seeing other people that are my age that are doing that. So that was very that was very inspiring. So that that gave me the excuse to to dabble in in, in stop motion. Stop motion is very hard. We did not have <laughs> digital video at that time, so it was also yeah. expensive because and and time consuming because you would have to get the film developed and then hope that you get something. So it it was definitely not with a faint of heart, and, and definitely you know there was there was some discouraging times there. So I don't I I pretty much realized pretty early that I wasn't going to be a stop motion animator. But what it did was it gave me an excuse to like keep getting those action figures because then I can justify, oh, they're not action figures. I'm 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 making these movies. Is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm a movie they're maker. Not, they're not toys. I'm playing with them. They're <laughs> making movies. So around this time is also when like digital, you know, camcorders are are becoming a thing. So in high school, I was always walking around with a camcorder. I I filmed a lot of things, you know parties or whatever or oh whenever we had a project that involved like a school project yeah. that involved the camcorder or, or if i could figure out a way to put some video component into it we would do that i it, we did the greatest single william jennings ryan presentation ever for our ap history class that was just like oh i, I could we can do whatever we want okay we're gonna do video components so we're <laughs> we created all these points in his life and and shot it and yeah it was a whole lot of so any excuse to to incorporate video into presentations i would jump at because you know i wanted to work for lucas that was that was the goal then even back then is like i don't want to do it but i i want to work on star wars even though the problem is you know nobody's making star wars that's that, that was an issue that was a little bit of a problem especially you know so you went to college, you know, not sure what I was going to be able to, you know, they don't have a film, film production department there. At that time, they didn't, at least. So I wasn't what going, school, I was what, going there to sort of figure things out. Was that Davis? Yeah, I went to, yeah, Davis. I went to UC Davis. After a year, I had to figure out what my major was going to be. And 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 rhetoric and communication was what I majored in because it had the most, uh, I, I figured that one, that major had the 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 classes that I was most interested in, uh, but on the side I was doing other things. So it was at that time that I became a part of community access television. So in Davis they had a big thriving community, and that was a great thing because you could become a part of the community and the city as as a whole, and not just the siloed portion of it that we got as you know just being students. Right. But it was also my, you know, my first first time in any sort of like TV studio. So that that was cool. I had done other internships along the way. I had done internships in high school. I'd done theater internships because it was all about production, right? It was all about telling stories, and it didn't it didn't matter to me what the platform was going to be. So if it was all, you know, in theater, theater seemed to be where the most local opportunities would be because we've got local theaters. You know, we don't have a television station. And Belmont didn't have one. I think maybe KCSM. Yeah, I was up at the community yeah, college. I, I, KCSM, yeah. But yeah, but there was, you know, there were, there were, there were 
theaters. Like there was, there was a theater in Stanford. There was a theater in Foster City. So these things were around. So you, if you wanted to do production type things like lighting and, and you know, I did, I did sound for, for, for a little bit. So it was just, it was just getting involved in production in, in any way possible. So, so it sounds like there's this just real growing passion for the craft of storytelling. I mean, just in yeah, all, yeah, all you, its you, forms. you gotta and you gotta you gotta love it, and you gotta find your own way. There's not a clear path. Like right. there's you know for a, most jobs out there. Okay, if I go and study engineering, I can become an engineer. If I go and study computer science, then I can be a, become a programmer. You could go study film and never become a film. It, it it is it is because it's that competitive. It is because part of it is just sort of like you have to be independent and you have to find your, the way yourself because no one's gonna give you that path. And 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 I've come across mid you know I've heard the story of, of tons of filmmakers and each of their stories is different. You know. Some go to school, some don't go to school. And yeah, there's no no set way to get into this industry. So sometimes you just sort of fall into it. Yeah. So it's like entrepreneurship right. <laughs> in that way. Well, no, it's yeah. like entrepreneurship in that way. I'm just saying I I've I've interviewed actually lots lots of filmmaker types who have worked in production of films or that have been like yeah it was the best entrepreneurial training because you're independent you come together do a project then you go scatter on the wind you got to find the new thing no one really tells you kind of what's going on you have to find your own way i've heard that a lot and you've got to find money yeah yeah that's you, yeah, have you gotta be a business person as well yes yes you yes. have so, to you have to convince other people of your vision that you have yeah so yeah there's there's a lot more work to it than just the craft of filmmaking Interesting. So I, yeah, I, so I graduate in 93. 93 is like the job, the job market in 93. It was bad. And then, you know, and then you want to go into, to, to something like TV or film, which, which is even, you know, tougher. Worse. Even worse. I did manage to, to get a job at a, a, at a local TV station, KTSF 26. So if you remember California Music Channel, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. on a Friday night, you ever watched mm-hmm. Kung Fu Theater? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They would have those those shows amidst a lot of foreign language programming. Mm-hmm. Cantonese News was one of them. So I I started working on Cantonese News, even though I don't fluently speak Cantonese. I took a year of it in college. But, you know, I was a production assistant and I was able to, to do that role, not being part of the, not being able to speak the language fluently. And for three years, I sort of like bounced from department to department. I was in news. I was in master control, which is which was the group that that was the that's the room where you play the tapes. You put the tapes that go on air as they as they go live. The tapes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and now tapes. it's just button button. button yeah. Button. So we had we wrote, we wrote with VCRs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah VCRs. Yeah. The you get a movie that's that's you know you get a tape that's two hours long. But sometimes movies go longer than two hours. And then you, you have the option of either changing the play speed a little bit to sort of try to maximize the time, but, it, but it, it's at the cost of quality. But the other thing is, once when you're taping their shows, 
if you have the remote, you can cut out the commercials if you're really fast enough. So somehow that 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 scale of being able to press the pause button when the commercial came on, actually, I, I could actually, I found a job where I could apply those skills. Wow. Taping <laughs> shows off TV. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Love it. Yeah, so I'm at the TV station for three years. Toward the end, there were there was a there is a little entrepreneurial part of my my story where I wasn't getting a I wanted to do more production type work and 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 so I figured oh I'll start shooting weddings. So I sort of dipped my toe in setting up a sole proprietorship to to be able to do uh, weddings. And again, you know, maybe I'd do like corporate training videos or something. I don't know. But all all I knew is all I, all I knew is it would allow me to sort of like be able to do production and and create because I wasn't finding the opportunities as many opportunities as I was hoping. So I, I kind of had to make, try to make my own opportunities. Did you ever want to be in front of the camera? No, no I I was. It was always most of the time is is behind the scenes. I'm not tall enough that I wasn't tall enough to, I mean, I, it's that funny, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a serious thing. Like to be in front, you have to have all these things, right? Right. I've gone and yeah, I've, I've been to a, I went to a audition, one of these just cattle calls. And like, that was one of the first questions is like, how tall are you? Like I'm standing here you can see it's like, but like they need to get that on paper because that's a huge priority for, you know, being in theater. So yeah, I I, I kind of learned that lesson pretty quickly that 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 I wasn't gonna be a non on camera person. So I'm working at KTSF, and I, I you know all this time I'm think I'm 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 I have in the back of my my mind that I want to work for Lucasfilm, work for George Lucas, and so I'm sending you know applications in. I'm I'm call, we had to call up, but there was no internet at this point. Yeah, so we had to call a hotline to get job openings. And I would be like racking up my phone bill with calling the Lucasfilm job hotline. And I was just applying for anything that, that you know, I applied for like security and, and, and a cook and, or dishwasher or whatever. And so I've got, you know, I've got my stack of rejection letters or thanks, but no thanks letters. Right. And I, got, I, I heard from a friend of, uh, one of my friends, one of our friends from high school, Dave, Dave Geisberger. Oh really? Oh cool. Uh, said that one of our other friends from Davis was was working at at LucasArts, the game division of, of George Lucas, and he said that they were looking for testers. So I reached out to our friend our friend Stuart and applied for that. And January thirty first, nineteen ninety seven, is when the Star Wars Special Edition came out. So we had a screening at the Coronet Theater, the Coronet Theater in San Francisco. That was where I originally saw Star Wars for the first time. I, I have vivid memories of, of the line going around, driving by. Oh, and seeing yeah, the line it was around a the block. phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, the special edition was playing there. There was a 10 a.m. screening. And people had been waiting there for a week. Like so, my my girlfriend now wife at the time she she lived just blocks away from this theater, so I'd actually I'd stopped by that theater earlier in the week to see the people in line, 
And this entire time, you know, again, this was pre-internet. So you, if you were a Star Wars fan, there was not a whole lot of ways to show it. Right. And I, I started to realize, wait a minute, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan there is. Like, there are other Star Wars fans that are willing to wait in line for a week their yeah. sleeping bags and their their chairs and i'm like oh my gosh i i thought i was the biggest star wars fan there possibly was and then i'm like oh no there's there there's other of us that are out there i remember the the entertainment weekly which was the big you know entertainment magazine at the time they called the release of the special editions the one of the year's biggest gambles because they didn't know if yeah. the star wars fans would come back because at that point, it had been, what, 97, 83, so yeah. 14 years. 14 years. 14 years since there was a Star Wars movie. Now, we had, like I said, we, there were books. There were some video games yeah. out there. But we didn't know. It wasn't obvious that the fandom would come back. But seeing people that were waiting in line for a week was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm not alone here. There's other people that are as passionate about Star Wars as me. So, so was that sort of the aha moment of, oh wow, this is this has got some. Le I mean, mo most entrepreneurs don't understand. Well, they, there's always a moment where they're like, oh, this is what convinced me that this was a big deal. The For aha some, moment um, doesn't that doesn't happen until until the box office, you know, really okay until the until you know the box office because I mean you can have the the you can have the hardcore fans show up wait in yeah. line but is the audience in mass going to be there yeah 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 i mean there was there was some there were some inklings that this was different cuz at that screening it was a like i said it was a 10 a.m. screening and the line had just gotten much larger as the day progressed you kind of felt something was different because there was a tv news crew that was covering this yeah so yeah yeah obviously there was there was more interest than just your sort of normal. I mean, this is a movie that was a re-release of something that we'd had on on videotape for years, and we'd seen on television for years. So it's like, yeah. it's it's just a re-release, you know. Yeah. To get to get news coverage, to have a news a news van there for that was maybe some sort of indication that this was this was something else. So I see the movie. And there's people in costume. There's a guy in a Chewbacca costume who's like getting the crowd excited with his roaring as he goes down the aisles. People, some people have lightsabers. And yeah, these are like yeah, 1997 yeah. lightsabers. Not this even is, <laughs> not, not what they were not. tubes or flashlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like serious stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of the coolest things about about actually getting to see firsthand like the evolution of, yeah. of lightsabers yeah, 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 over yeah. the years. Because yeah, they just yeah, yeah. each each year they just get cooler and cooler and and yeah. have more features and so I I walk out of that out of that theater I'm completely energized Star Wars is back and then I get home and that Lucas Arts position that I had applied for I had a message on my answering machine that afternoon saying that I'd gotten the job like a sign. Pretty good day. Pretty <laughs> That's good a great day. day. That's a pretty good day. Most people don't remember their good day. I mean, well, they do, but like the confluence of everything that 
you know, that's why it's that, so that is fun. that is that is my good day. That is that is the moment I waited in. I I didn't wait a week in that line, but I did wake. We did get up at four in the morning, so I did wake up at six or we yeah, got up at four for 10 a.m. screaming. So waited in line for six hours to get that. And yeah, I was like, OK, I don't have to wait in the six hour lines anymore. Part of the team now. Part of the team. <laughs> wow. So yeah, a game tester. Like I, you know, I didn't at that point. They're just they're kind of they're looking for bodies. You know, I mean, they want yeah. people that they can that they know will work. But I don't know if they're looking for Star Wars experts at that time. I mean, I, I put that on my resume, but you know. <laughs> You, you could you could have an entire you know it was an entire you ask me any question you want and it, I got it was the entire department full of Star Wars experts right right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so I'm a game tester for three years and and I'm kind of getting known in the in the department as being a Star Wars expert in a department full of Star Wars experts wow wow so I I work on several Star Wars games while I'm there one of them which is which is a, a game called Star Wars Behind the Magic. It was a multimedia CD-ROM. I remember so yeah. we are we are pre-DVDs. Uh, and this thing had the full scripts. It had shot by shot of all the films with annotations to it. It had deleted scenes, which, and you know, this is pre-YouTube. This is pre-DVD. So seeing it would it was very difficult to watch. Any sort of deleted scene. Now now it's like everyone, you know, once DVDs came out, that was like, yeah. they're everywhere. Yeah. But That's that was the first yeah. time you could see these deleted scenes that you'd only heard about. And there's this, this Star Wars has this weird thing where it's like we would see these images in, in books and things that weren't actually in the film, but then it sort of you think in your mind that those scenes that you've seen those scenes when you actually haven't. But maybe there was maybe you read it in a book, you've seen it in a comic, you've seen a picture of it, you've heard a radio drama of it. So we thought these scenes were in the movie, but we had never seen these scenes until till that moment. It was it was there was a there's a few there was a there's one that had a character named Big's Dark Lighter, which is one of Luke's childhood buddies, and and it's the scene on on Tatooine where they're where Biggs is telling Luke about how bad the Empire is. Yeah, it was just sort of like you'd heard about these things for years and you you even thought you saw them, but you hadn't seen them. And it was great to sort of see those for the first time. So I was a lead tester on on this behind them, the magic um, product. And so, yeah, uh, as you learn, the thing about Star Wars is, and uh, I guess most things is the more you know about Star Wars, the more you know that you don't know. So there were whole things like, oh my gosh, there's, there's, there are, there are, I have blind spots in my Star Wars Dodge. I, I think I'm a Star Wars expert. I didn't know whether there was this whole role playing game that had been going on for years with over a hundred books building those lore. And they were, this was like, this was like a complete blind spot by, yeah, blind spot in my, in my Star Wars knowledge. So as you, as you learn about all the different extensions, there was a trading card game that established a lot of lore. So, Getting to work on that project sort of like opened my eyes to 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 where those blind spots were. Wow. Hopefully now I don't have any blind spots. Now I now I feel, now I feel confident that 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 I discovered <laughs> after after twenty six years I 
think I've got the blind spots covered. There might be some, you know, we don't, there's like international books that that have never even been released in America that that are out there. So, but I I think I've got them covered. I, I think in, it's only taken 26 years, but I think I've, I've got those blind spots covered. Wow. Yeah. So, what's the jump from game tester to keeper of the Holocaust? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so that behind the magic product is is part of that because we were getting a new license. A uh, new licensee for the role playing game, Wizards of the Coast, was was taking over the the. They were going to do role playing game and and miniatures and 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 training card games. And Lucy Wilson, who was the person that hired me, she'd worked on Behind the Magic on the licensing side, and and she's the she was the head of publishing at the time. She and and a man named Bill Slavicek, who worked on the Western games, role-playing game, and then moved to Wizards of the Coast to work on the the new role-playing game. They came up with the idea that, okay, up until that point, all the all the lore was being that was being created, not just for the films, but lore that was being created in the books that had been created by the RPG and the video games. That they should instead of using binders and 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 I guess they had word documents at that time. Instead of using those things, and it was mostly binders. They had these black binders that sometimes get referred to as Bibles, but really it's just it's just a binder full of a lot of it's just like emails and and notes on manuscripts and things like that. Rather than have that as as files or as pieces of paper, maybe we should create a database that will will help will, that will use to track this stuff. And there, there had been a ba- database that was created for Behind the Magic, so so there was already a, a foundational thing built that held some of the knowledge, but not the vast majority of the knowledge. So they created this opening for a data database continuity manager, and I saw that, and I was like, okay. So I'd been, I'd been, I'd had experience with database because as a game tester. That's how what you use to track bugs, and you report the yeah. bugs, and, and and as a lead tester, you get to build the database or customize the bit database to serve the needs of the project. So for three years, I had been you know working heavily with with databases, so they needed a person with database experience. But the other thing is that you don't see every day the requirement of extensive Star Wars knowledge. That was in the, <laughs> I didn't have to I didn't have to offer that up this time. Yeah, this time you just sort of like oh with a job description. Kind of like, oh, well, let's see. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that, it was that like, is it was how a... I get that, wow. make that jump to become the keeper of the Holocron. And, and that was like on FileMaker Pro, like on a Mac. It was right? FileMaker Pro, yeah. Yeah. 2000. 2000. So, the, so Phantom Minutes had come, come out. Um, wow. But yeah, and, it, and, it's, it, and I still use FileMaker Pro to this day. Really, I mean, you know, it, we, we, there was there was there was a question early on about you know is this a how much is this thing going to cost, right? Yeah, you want it, you or how, what is the budget for this? Is this a X number of dollars solution or is this an X number of dollars? Yeah, yeah and you yeah. know, FileMaker is on the much lower end of you know of solutions, so so they went with the, the, the their sort of cheaper solution, and, and I'm kind of impressed. Filmmaker gives me a lot of versatility where I can export the data in, in different ways. So, so you know, still why, why reinvent the wheel if, if it works wow. so 
Wow. And and I'm assuming completely proprietary, no one has access to it except internal. Yeah, internal. Yeah, internal. And we used to share it with our, <laughs> we used to share it with authors where we would, I would have to burn CDs to send to authors. You know, this is again, free, free internet or there was, it was actually internet had started to come about, but there were still, you know, security concerns about yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. giving people direct access that we, so we, we would send out these CDs, password protected CDs to wow. authors. Now it's gotten to the point where we, we can't really do that. It was easier to do that because there wasn't a lot of unreleased film content that wasn't, was going in there or, or at least that wasn't accessible or we would scrub the CD versions of that, of the, of the film. So books and, and, vid and, and other licensed extensions of it are, you know, it's, it's at that time it wasn't as, as the stakes aren't as high in terms of, yeah. you know, how, how, how you need to safeguard that information. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've since, yeah. And we've, we've since sort of done away with sharing that, those CDs. Yeah. Luckily. <laughs> How how big is the database now? I mean, how big is the whole company? I mean, the size thing, the size doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I could, I could, if I fill it up with, you know, thousands and thousands of images, you know, depending on the quality of images. That, yeah. So the size, you could say whatever size you want. Who cares? It has over 100,000 entries, characters, planets, vehicles, different sayings. We started incorporating smell you know, as we do like park extensions and, and, yeah, and other yeah, like yeah. VR extensions. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it kind of helps to know where we've done a smell. What it's going to smell like. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We had this, we had this extensive conversation for a VR project that what does Mustafar smell like? And you, and you've so you've got a lava planet that, that, you know, but you don't want to, you, you, you kind of want to smell, but you kind of want to smell that's, not bad, so yeah, it can't be. Yeah, it might not so, be canonically accurate, but I think they 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 settled on something like campfire. Yeah, yeah, fire smell, yeah, something yeah, that's that's the... that's somewhat pleasant. Um, yeah, yeah, but also puts you in the mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't um, I don't know if you'd want to have like sulfur smells or. <laughs> I think that would be pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, interesting. So, man. Well, that's quite the journey. I, I mean, it, what's interesting is that what's mo most important, right, is the consistency of telling the stories. It's also having a centralized place where people can really understand and get the depth of, what, 40, 50 years of storytelling or more. Like, there's a, there's a depth to it that allows folks to kind of collaborate with you because obviously you can't do all these books and all these other things. You license that that out right so the consistency and the brand positioning and all that brand stuff gosh talk about having to really put a fine point on it i mean there's no because the fans right they will tell you <laughs> if it doesn't make sense they're going to be like leland what's up <laughs> what, 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 awesome, right? so so there's a couple of things there's a couple of points to sort of bring up here to the consistency Part of it. Star Wars is unique, right? Star Wars, we want a cohesive universe across multiple platforms with multiple creators. Uh, you have a lot of 
existing franchises that that you can have the comic book franchise where the comics don't necessarily relate to the TV shows, don't necessarily relate to the movies. You can have adapted works like like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings where you have a central creator and for the longest time the only new stories in that in those franchises are 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 stories that are done by that initial creator. Very, very limiting to the amount of new storytelling that you can do, which is why, you know, you have, they, they've loosened the reins somewhat, at least on the, on the Harry Potter side, I think on the Lord of the Rings side, it's more like, okay, we're going to go into the, the, the deeper, into the texts and the, the, the notes and the margins to, to tell the stories. So, but, but, but Star Wars, early on, there had been a bit of a, and, and coming from George, this the sense that there were things that happened in the movies that could be told elsewhere. And one of the things is, is and this is kind of a controversial point, because I'm going to bring up something called the Star Wars Holiday Special. Something that, another thing that's related to sort of collected memories, like for the longest time, I didn't know, I didn't know if the Holiday Special was something that I just had dreamed. Like there wasn't the internet to tell me that okay yeah this is this is what this yeah, is this, this is existing is real, yeah. this is the this weird thing that I have fragments in my memory uh, I, I I had memories of, of Imperials going into Chewbacca's family's house and breaking Chewbacca's son's toys and I'm like that is the weirdest I I have this faint recollection of this thing but did it really happen was it really this did this crazy thing that I'm kind of remembering, did that really happen? And one of the things that they did in the holiday special was this was the first place that you saw Boba Fett. Hmm. We knew about Boba Fett two years before Empire Strikes Back came out. How did we know? There was an action figure that was being released. That was like, okay, exclusive new action figure from the new movie, you know, comes with a jetpack and fires rockets and is going to be a major character in, this, in the movie. And this holiday special where this character was introduced. So all of a sudden there's, there's this, even back then, 1978, there's, there's a setup of expectation that like some of the storytelling is going to come from areas that aren't the films themselves or even marketing from the films. This thing came from a cartoon. Yeah, interesting. And action figure packaging. So right off the bat, you know, you're setting the audience up to expect to learn more from other extensions of that, of, the, of this franchise. Yeah, and other storytellers too. Yeah. Other points of view. Right. Interesting. And so in the 50 or so years, you know, since then, we've just, we've just been doing more and more of that. And you think that just, strengthens the brand? You think that strengthens the Star Wars franchise? Or it, make, it, it, it definitely sets it apart. I mean, not every franchise is going to be able to do that. Not every franchise is going to be able to make a AAA video game title based on that franchise. No one's going to, not everyone's going to want to, you know, put that sort of risk and investment into that type of thing. So yeah, it, it it's it does make it unique in that way. Now there are there ha, you know there are some times where you have to, you know, there are creative decisions that may, need to be made at at various points, 
you know, dating back all the way to to the seventies with, you know, there would be things that happened in the comics that were even back then weren't canonical. Mm -hmm. Uh, the original Star Wars comic showed us Jabba the Hutt, a version of Jabba the Hutt that was nothing like what we saw in Return of the Jedi. Um, we had books that came out in between. We had a book that came out in between A New Hope and, and Empire Strikes Back that was, you know, they sort of had to tiptoe between. It featured Luke and Leia, but it did not have Han. So at the time when you're reading that book, you think, you know, Luke and Leia might be, you know, might be there might be hints that there's there's a you know some sort of romantic interest there well we learned that was not going to be the case no <laughs> and then so yeah the, you know even back then there were there were elements that were sort of like okay the movies have to sort of have to take precedent over all else interesting we we, we built up the lore in in the books because again we had this you know 16 year period where George wasn't telling new stories. So we did stuff in the books that, that they would do these sort of checklists for George to, you know, can he do, can we do this in the books? Can we do that? And he would say yes or no. But otherwise, other than that, he wasn't overly involved in, in a lot of the storytelling that they were doing there. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty bold and brave thing to do. I mean, especially when it's a franchise like this. I do think it strengthens the overall appeal of it. I mean, and it's, it seems a little visionary too. I mean, you know, you got to sort of think about this stuff back in the 70s. <laughs> like the future, like how, how do you, again, entrepreneurs have this problem all the time. It's like, how do you see a 50-year future? I mean, yeah, we don't really know that it would have gone this way, but to have the inkling to be like this story will have legs for almost all of time. I mean, it's the classical hero's journey story. I mean, I think George even took Joseph Campbell's class to like sort, I mean, yeah. it's the famous lore of it. All, every, anyone that writes stories has like heard the story about yeah. George Lucas saw the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell's class and is like, that's it, that's the thing. But to just have the, I mean, it's truly remarkable. Just given like where it's been and, and, and the, the future vision and the strategy around it, while may have not have worked out, there's probably multiple times where it could have fallen on its place, fallen on its face. I think the, the thinking big, the big idea, the big grand strategy, the, like this is the, the thing I want to build. This is my vision for it. I don't, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's the grand strategy. I think sometimes you just sort of have to be practical. Sometimes you have to... Yeah. There's no Star Wars movies, so what are we gonna? How do how do we keep it bring alive. Star Wars to audiences and 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 books and video games? Is you know for the longest time that was that was the way to do that by necessity because you didn't have George Lucas making the films. Yeah, even and because even, it was even the special edition wasn't again another another a release by necessity because the films weren't ready yet. So yeah. to buy to buy additional time to to make the films, they had the special editions. They even in between in between the special editions, they had something called Shadows of the Empire, which was you know they were calling it a multimedia event. There was a video game component, there was comics, there was all the licensees on board. So it was marketed as a film without it being a film because the film was not ready yet. 
but yeah. you know this allowed the company to to sort of line up partners and sort of like dip its t- toe in the water for when phantom menace would happen and the real you know licensing push would happen i think we could probably go on all afternoon <laughs> but but i got to get back to work too i'm sure you do too this has been such i mean I'm over the moon, man. I really appreciate your time. It was great seeing you at the book signing. It meant a lot to oh, me. Oh, it was great. There. Great seeing you as well. Just, it's so great to catch up and just all the, like, it's awesome to see how everyone sort of, you know, gone their way. And you, I, and- I always love seeing and talking to, to, to folks back from back home. Yeah. And, 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 and seeing their successes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just beautiful to see and, you know, again, wish you all the best of luck and everything. And again, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. It's been, it's been, it's been an honor. Really happy. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com